Oh, fuck that. Leave meeting. Every time that voice pops up, recording in progress, I always shit myself. Um, this meeting I, is being recorded. I don't expect it. Right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Time to Talk Titanic. I'm going to do the bit this time. If you're listening on Spotify, we are also on YouTube, where you can see our beautiful faces. Or if you're watching on YouTube and you would rather listen on something that you can like close the app and do other things like, I don't know, watch porn, you can find us on Spotify. So, and like Apple Podcasts and like all the other places. And I'm going to do the other bit as well. If you enjoy this, like, comment, share, do those things because it helps with engagement, which helps with the algorithm and whatever. And then you can go back to your porn. So today (laughs) I am with Jordan who I'm going to start off with because you've never been on the show yet. So I feel I feel like each time we do this, there's like someone new. We're like drip feeding all the different co-hosts to people. But um, I have known, well, known, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, Jordan for a couple of years now. You know, we've, we've been chatting. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan's from Australia. So we're doing... Yeah, we've kind of, we've deviated from the usual kind of Saturday evening recording so instead of gin I've got coffee and um, which is probably for the best and yeah so Jordan we'll start off with you if you could just kind of like introduce yourself kind of how you got into Titanic you know we've all kind of done that I think the first time that Dean was on um you know he kind of said like what got him into it you know why why he's here um so yeah if you could just kind of kick it off with with that that'd be really cool Well, first off, thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, Well, I first got into Titanic in 1996, actually, when the infamous miniseries was um, broadcast on television at the time. Um, I remember seeing the the adverts for it and I was like, oh, fucking, this is so exciting. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it. So I watched it and I fell in love with Titanic and the story and yeah, then James Cameron's movie came out and then I saw A Night to Remember on TV and I just fell in love with it. So ever since then, I've been a Titanic fanatic. Mm-hmm. Nice, awesome. That's so funny to think um, that you... Because what, what age are you, if you don't mind me asking? Now or back then? No, what, yeah, what age are you now? Ah, oh, 32. 32. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's really interesting hearing the reason I ask is because obviously, you know, there's a very broad age range for people that are interested in Titanic mm-hmm. and like the different things that have kind of got them into it. So there's a lot of people obviously older than yourself, older than us um, who like kind of poo poo like the 1997 film or like the 96 miniseries, you know, they'd be like, Oh, that didn't, you know, get my interest. What, what got my interest was like, a night to remember like when that was first published so it's just it's interesting to hear because like I can't remember the film coming out for instance the 97 film because I'd have been like two um but my brother who he's 37 so he would be able to remember that um so it's it's just interesting you know kind of looking at where someone's at now like age-wise and all the different things that would have got them into it I mean for instance that Titanic 666 film that's come out, that like horror film Titanic, that could potentially draw in people that become 
new Titanic enthusiasts, you know, there could be a, a little kid that watches that and goes, what's the real story of that ship? And goes and watches, like, the 97 film. And their origin story could be that horrific horror film. So I just, I think it's interesting kind of finding out where people are at and, uh, and what brought them into it. So, so yeah, thanks for sharing. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. I remember back in 1997 or 1998, whenever it was released in Australia, it was Titanic mania. Like, it was crazy. I remember all the books. I remember um, we actually had a theme park attraction here at Fox Studios back in 1998 or 1999. I went there, actually. And um, funny enough, you you go inside the ship and you're sitting in third class and then I have from memory the, the room shakes and water starts coming in and then you have to go through the boiler rooms um the cargo hold you have to push I think like a glass uh, you have to push a piano or something out of the way and then um you would ha- you would walk up the grand staircase and into this massive room that had the rec model um film memorabilia and funny enough, I remember this. I saw a number of deleted scenes that they had in the corner of the room, like on the TV. And one of the infamous scenes that was on there was the um, Jack and Lovejoy fight. But it was, it was a completely different sequence to what we, what we see today. Yeah, that is one of my... I get why they cut it, because it's quite long, and it makes Lovejoy a little bit... Because there's no justification. Why would he feel that he has to go and do this thing for Cal? You know, go and like really put his life at risk. I always thought that he was trying to get the diamond for himself. That's Cal a good says, like, give it to you, doesn't he? Like Cal's Cal's gone. I put the coat on her, and Cal walks off, and he's gone. Diamonds and just on that little lady. In... I'll go get it myself. But it was actually because what does Cal say? Cal says, "I give it to you if you can." If you can get it, yeah. If you can get it, yeah. I, I suppose, yeah. Hmm. But it was actually interesting seeing that sequence in that sequence back then to what it is now because from memory, the way it was, like the scene was a little bit longer from memory, but the hmm. shots and the angles were completely different from what I remember. That sounds really cool. I'd love to do some kind of, I mean, part of me is like, is it slightly tacky, you know, to be going through like a room that's like shaking and like water coming in? But then another part was like, yeah, but it sounds fun. Like I would still probably yeah. do it. You know, like, yeah. For, um, yeah. If you want to be on a um, a cruise ship, they do like a, a training thing. One of my friends done it and they put you in a, a room that sort of like tilts and then starts to fill with water. And your your job there is to, you know, I don't think you can actually beat the room but it's just like see how you deal under pressure <clears throat> and there's um you get like the corks and you've got to try and plug the holes and then more holes come up and it's one of those i, th- I think it, there's clips on youtube of it if you type in like sinking sinking ship simulation or something um mm. i've always wanted to do one of those they look really cool so maybe i'll apply yeah. to be on a cruise ship and do that and then be like right bye and do you think that the reason you've always wanted to do one of them is because of your interest in Titanic? You know, if you weren't obsessed with Titanic, do you think you would then, your brain would go to this other place of sinking ship simulation? Because... Uh, it's definitely from Titanic. 100%. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, however morbid it sounds, there's... Yeah. 100% yeah. from that. Like, it's, it's funny because we obviously now know that the ship didn't 
you know, I guess after the lights went off, it would have potentially gone to a very high angle. Um, but there's a museum in America that, well, I say museum, we'll call it, it's an attraction anyway. Um, but they've got like tilted floors of like varying yeah. angles with like the railings and a little porthole light and a vent or something. And like kids get to stand on it and see to what angle would they have been able to hold on before they slid down. And it's like, one, that's pretty horrific. Two, it's maybe not actually that accurate nowadays. And it's like, in three, there should really be a little list in that as well. So it's like, okay, Timmy, you were able to hold on at 70 degrees, but what if there was a 10 degree list to like port or something, you know? And, how would, how would you manage then, Timmy? And four, how can I have a go? <laughs> I think it's the one at Branson, Missouri. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, the Branson one, yeah. That's the one. But yeah. um, it's kind of, you know, it's like, I get it, but it's a bit strange. But actually, that's a good segue kind of into our discussion today, this idea of, you know, is it morally right? You know, should we be doing it? Um, is it a bit icky? You know, we have been talking about museums and attractions, and obviously today's discussion is about raising artefacts and they would go into museums. Um, and yeah, like how, how do we feel about that? Um, so I kind of want to hear Louis' thoughts on this. Um, although, did you not have something to share, Louis? Oh, nothing to share. I was just, I've just been a bit pissed off lately, but it was something completely unrelated to artifacts. What, and, right. and, and what's, what's had you pissed off, Louis? What, what, right? Okay. Gather round. <laughs> the other day, I wanted to watch Titanic, okay? I've disabled my DVD player. Um, my CD player in my computer because I needed the cable for another thing in my computer. <clears throat> so I couldn't watch my DVD. Mm -hmm. I don't have a DVD player. So I went, you know, I'll go on Amazon and I'll buy it on Prime. It was $4.99. I was like, cool, I bought it. And, and I started watching it. The next day, <clears throat> it's on fucking Netflix and Disney Plus. No. The next day. <laughs> So I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel conned. And it's just left me in a shit mood the last few days. You should write a strongly worded right. letter to Amazon about this. I should. I Wait, should is all. it off Disney Plus? It's, it's on Disney Plus now. In the UK. Oh, anyway. it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah in Australia too, yeah. And yeah, they took it off of Netflix a couple of years ago. And I saw it on Amazon. I was like, go on then, I'll do it. And they were like, fuck you, Louis. Because I was obviously when um, Disney bought Fox, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Disney now owns Titanic. Like, Disney owns Kate Winslet's boobies. Um, <laughs> into it. I'm surprised they haven't covered them up with Mickey Mouse on the, the Disney Plus version. That's, yeah. what, that's a thumbnail. I'm going <laughs> to figure that out. I don't know how we'll do it, but um, that's a thumbnail, Lou. Well done. Um, that's happening. So, um, yeah, I would be quite annoyed. I would be annoyed with that. Um, I was annoyed when they took it off of Netflix. I mean, I understood it. I got it. Um, all these other places wanting their own like streaming services, you know, happens. It annoys me though when. So what was it we were watching? I think it was Big Little Lies. Um, me and Paul were watching that, and then we were like halfway through a season, and we went to watch it one night, and we were like, "Where is it? Have have we made up this show? Have we been hallucinating for the last like month?" 
and it had been bought by like a different streaming service and they had just yep. pulled it. And it was like, oh, okay, so I've now got to go and pay for like another subscription if I want to finish that show that I had started watching. Um, insane. But I'm this close to getting Disney Plus, not because of Titanic, but because of American Horror Story. Oh, okay. There's, to be fair, there's a couple of um, decent um, there. uh, Titanic documentaries on Disney Plus as well. There is. You've got the, you've got the 20 Years Later where James Cameron, they try and redo the sinking. They've got the him on the lifeboat, which I love where he tries to see how long they can it takes to prepare a lifeboat and stuff um, and then cutting it through. Um, they've got Drain the Titanic, which they've added, I think the same day they added Titanic, which is where they like drain the ocean, have a look. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few Titanic. There's um, Final Mystery, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few. Was it not in that documentary, just when you were saying about the kind of, they prepared a lifeboat and seeing how long it would take. I remember seeing that or a, a clip of, from that. Um, and I, but I don't know if it was in that or if it was behind the scenes in the making of the 97 film, but they say that they actually made the Davits, although they were like exact replicas, yeah, they made them stronger. The yeah, that yeah. was the film. And they film, said, yeah. even though they made them stronger, there was still a lot of flex in them. So they actually like buckled a lot. So that makes you think, like no wonder people were so scared to get in the lifeboats on the ship because they were not yeah. as strong as the ones that were made for the film. But that could just be like, you know, modern day health and safety, like they kind of- Oh, 100%, because they would have had yeah. Kate Winslet hanging off a like, 50 foot structure of the Titanic and there's a lifeboat on, a, yeah. <laughs> on an habit that could snap and yeah. And like, the there were too the many, you know, the, the there were that, too many. That. Sorry, I was going to say there were too many fat matrons dripping in, in dripping in jewels on the ship. That's why it was, you know, they were too scared to have the desert. I know, yeah, yeah. completely. Um, and and I do get it, health and safety, but with the Grand Staircase, though, that might have just been an aesthetic thing. They might have thought it just looked a bit grander, lol, um, by making it a bit bigger. I think that was for cameras as well, um, to be able to move around it better. Then you've got that whole chase down the staircase, makes it a bit easier. And yeah, so it would have been quite they narrow. They couldn't fit two people, could they, going down? Like, obviously, the scene where they're coming down to dinner and Jack and Rose are side by side. They said because people are bigger now, they can actually fit. So they widened it to do that. Yeah. And then later on, you've got like two people like doing like backflips down with like a suitcase and like water. Like, so you can, you need that extra room. It, it came in handy. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so Louis, I'm sorry to hear that you had to to buy it. So that makes me sad. Um, Megan's more pissed at me because I spent money which I shouldn't have spent. See, but um, yeah. So, artifacts. but speaking of money, that is one thing that has been brought up from the ocean floor. Um, and so I had a really interesting discussion with Paul. So Paul's my partner and he's about as interested in Titanic as I am in like classic vintage cars, which is his thing. And I'm not interested in classic vintage cars. But I was talking to Paul about what we were going to discuss today and he was like, oh, that's actually really interesting. And we started speaking about it for like a good few hours. You know, we really got into it. And where we kind of, you know, settled or where he kind of landed on was that he would be okay with bringing up a dinner plate but he wouldn't be okay with bringing up a pair of shoes. And I was like, that's really mm. interesting that we were able to whittle it down to that. And I was like, what is it about that? Because I was like, for instance, Arthur Putchin, he dropped his wallet when he jumped into the lifeboat very famously. 
And that was brought back up. But we know he survived. So we know he lived. So you're bringing up a person who didn't die's wallet. Whereas you could potentially bring up someone's wallet, look at it and know that they died. And I was saying to Paul, what one's okay? And he was like, I don't think either's okay, actually. And it was, so it was really interesting that the more removed from humanity the object seemed, so like a plate or a, a vase, he was like, cool, I think that's okay. But it was like something that's quite human. I don't think that's okay. But um, so, so I thought that was quite an interesting take on it. And I'm going to read because I've been posting on like Facebook and stuff in different groups and lots of opinions, like very varied, um, some quite like vitriolic. There's people that feel very strongly about this one way or the other. Um, but so, so that was just a little kind of side, you know, opinion from someone that isn't a Titanic enthusiast that I, you know, my partner, um, which I, I just thought was really, really interesting to kind of hear their take. Um, but obviously we know a bit more about Titanic, you know, we're invested in it in whatever capacity. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested to hear kind of what you guys think um, on this matter. So I understand where he's coming from with the, you know, if they died, leave it, if they didn't take it sort of thing, or mm -hmm. if it's an inanimate object, take it, if it's from a person that maybe died or survived, take it, then, you know, you just can't tell. Um, as you said, with the wallet and the, you know, a pair of shoes, they could have been a pair of shoes that just fell off someone. Um, unlikely, but still. Or interestingly, I hadn't thought of this, but in one of the Facebook groups, um, you know, obviously we do know that a lot of the pairs of shoes, um, that is where someone came to rest and the shoe due to the treatment on it, the leather lasts. Um, but really interestingly, I'd, I'd need to find the comment and see who it was, but they said there's also some clumps of shoes that would have been in trunks or suitcases. Um, and that's rotted away. So there's a lot of grave markers that we think that, oh, look, a mother and a child came to rest here, but actually it might have just been in a suitcase. So yeah. that was really interesting. So just when you said that there, I just wanted to throw that out there. Because um, that muddies the water even more, just, even more gray. Not just that, because don't forget when the ship broke apart, um, it broke apart in, of course, you know, like in... Um, passenger areas in first class so a lot of contents and whatnot spilled out and don't forget like in the stern section when the stern completely went kaboom you know everything just ripped out from there everything like just flew out so you got to take that into consideration as well a lot of you know passengers belongings you know suitcases or shoes that were in in their cabins were spilled out like Yes, some of the stuff on the debris field could be shoes um, from those who rest, like, you know, came down to rest or whatnot. But when the body reaches a certain point, like, it, it would be completely impossible. It would be completely impossible for a whole body to reach the ocean floor intact. When it reaches a certain pressure point, it would literally just implode like, yeah you know what i mean yeah this is one of the yeah. things that i wanted to bring up you know people say these pair of shoes this is where someone came to their final resting place but you know if you've ever seen people when they're in the submersibles they're like you know if you went outside right now you'd be crushed you'd be gone so is that actually where someone perished or are they you know 
as they've come down, has the body, I, yeah, I don't know how it works, like crushed and the, the shoes have just fallen separately. Because I, I can't picture a body making it down to that distance, laying there and then slowly, you know, um, disappearing over time. So I'm not sure how accurate it is, the whole thought that, oh, this is someone's final resting place. It's like, it's their shoe's final resting place, yeah, but is it their final resting place? They they could have been spiraled in a completely different direction and the shoes have just, you know, I, just, I don't know how much I believe of it being a final resting place. Something I've never thought about before, like, because you, you always see, like, people died on the surface of the water, didn't you? Like, the whole, like, everyone's on the water and, like, that's that's where you assume everybody died. You don't think about well, what actually happened to those bodies that eventually sank and stuff. Where did they go? That's quite an interesting point to bring up. Don't- don't forget that a lot of bodies were drifting those who still had life jackets on they were basically drifting with the current um i think it was about a month or two other ships saw bodies still floating you know on the water so most of those you know most of like some belongings like some sorry some of the shoes or what or whatnot jewelry who were on these people who died and they were drifting with the current they they would have been like slowly dropping off like their their shoes or whatever along the you know the route that were you know moving along. So it's not just where the Titanic is, where the where all their belongings are. It's also spread out in little various sections where, let's say maybe three or four miles away, there could be a pair of shoes by themselves just sitting there. Mm-hmm because that's that's the thing if the people died above the surface or even like just below the surface surely that means that the reverence should be around that part of the ocean not on the ocean floor and you know i do i do get it when people say it's like a grave marker but it's like well that's not kind of how we look at a battlefield so if you were in somewhere in france or germany and you were digging a hole and you happened to come across a dog tag or a helmet or something, I don't think we would have that same reverence. We would probably dig that up, take it and take it to a museum or something or keep it. Or In fact, good example, I was volunteering a couple of years ago, uh, very near where I live in Edinburgh, and we were planting trees in what's now just like a community garden, but it was at one point like a fisherman's uh, graveyard kind of thing. And I found a musket ball. So a big, massive, um, made of lead or something ball that would have been used in a gun. And we were like, so it was potentially used to ward off grave robbers, or it could have also potentially have been inside someone or in them or something. And I've got that, that's downstairs, because I was like, that's really cool. But then was that grave robbing? Was was that, should I not have taken yeah. that? You know, you know, you've got, there's so many different things. Like there's so many museums with so many different artifacts. You know, you've got the September, the 9-11 museum in New York. I don't think anyone's said like about those artifacts being there. You've got museums all around the world to commemorate the Holocaust, where you've got piles and piles of shoes that were taken off of people. Um, no one really says anything about it because it's about remembering and you know keeping that history alive and that's exactly how I feel about a Titanic I don't I don't look at it as a as a grave site you know it's it's some people compare it to like a, a ancient Egyptian tomb but again no that's 
that was a tomb purposely built to house that person and people have broken into that to get there you know the titanic it was an accident site and there's there's also so much to learn as well about going there down there you know there was the whole thing about the marconi room eventually i don't know the 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 statistics have changed from what people originally thought but like couple of hundred years in the future when the titanic's you know deteriorating deteriorating that's not going to be there so why not take it now before it's lost forever i'm completely for preserving those artifacts to keep history alive and to you know help us learn more and more about what happened yeah i think it's a bit of a catch-22 bit of a catch-22 in a way because if you think about it Okay, so if they're going to be cutting into the ship, because the boat deck, from, from, from what I understand, what I've read, is very fragile. The boat deck is literally crumbling because so many, you know, expeditions, exhibitions, or yes, expeditions have been um, taking place on the ship and the, and the submersibles, they all land on the deck of the ship. So you're basically... If they're going to be cutting into the into the Marconi room or into the roof, how fragile? How how more fragile is the roof? Because if they're going to try and get in there, there's a possibly a good chance of them retrieving it, but there's also a good chance of them damaging the ship even further and causing a collapse. To like yeah. to that part of, yeah. the, of the boat deck. I mean, look at the captain's so, bathroom because that's already you can't even see the bathroom anymore because the whole thing's just collapsed on top of it. It's still so, full. Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> but then, you know, it's it's going to be gone one day, the ship. So mm. it's now or never sort of thing, you know? Oh, look, I, I completely understand. Like, I'll give you guys a good example. Um, okay, so have you guys heard the story of the two rings? The rings are bad, I'm not sure. No. Okay, so there were two rings, two gold rings. Um, they were found in Collapsible A. Now, I think they are in a museum somewhere in the UK or maybe... I think they're at the Titanic Experience at the XL. I think I might have seen them. Yeah. It vaguely rings a bell because I went there. Awful museum, by the way. Um, but I vaguely remember something about so that. So these two rings were... Dis- these two rings were found at the bottom of Collapsible A. So this is something that I, you know, people can... It's a good way of saying, okay, should they have taken it or should they have left it? So these two rings belong to um, this married couple from third class. Um, they were a Swedish um, husband and wife, Edvard and Eileen Lindell. Now, during the sinking, they, or during the voyage, they became friends with another steerage passenger, um, August Winnerstrom. And during the sinking, they, as soon as they got to collapsible A, that's when the ship took her famous plunge and they pretty much got swept overboard. Now, while they were going to collapsible A, August Winnerstrom got on board, um, Edvard got on board, but Eileen, she was so overcome with hypothermia from the cold that she couldn't pull herself up. So August and Edvard were trying to pull her up. August didn't have any strength. So Edvard tried to pull her up, but she, she obviously succumbed to the cold. And he, you know, when he, lost you know basically he her hand slipped from his but in during that process he her ring slipped into his finger and when he died um edvard his ring and her ring fell at the bottom of collapsible a 
and they those two rings were found and they were you know brought into a museum so that's kind of like you know should these rings have been taken from those two, from you know from those two people that died to be displayed or should they have been left in the bottom of the boat or tossed into the ocean you know to as a you know like a memorial or like a, you know you know what i'm saying but yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, the artifacts, certain artifacts should be brought up, but if it's something, if it's something that is, how can I say, um, where it, where they were like resting, in a way, just leave it. I think there's a difference between taking something off of a body and taken something from where it has laid um towards the end you know i feel like if and it was it taken off of their actual bodies or had they fallen to the bottom of the boats so the rings from memory were found at the bottom of collapsible a so they weren't off the bodies because i think edvard was either still in the boat or he or they or they literally came over like after he died um i need to reread into that but yeah it's, it's one of those things where i'm just like stuff like that is great because those two rings are pretty much the only thing from the titanic wreck site that is this on display and it's one of those stories where people don't know about in a way in a, in a way i do find it it's good that those two rings are on display but at the same time I'm, I'm more on the fence where it's like should they have left it in collapsible a yeah i think i kind of have a similar stance to louis with this because it's like because when to me when someone says you're a grave robber that means you're physically going and digging up someone's grave and pulling any valuables off the actual person themselves so um, like Louis said, if it, if it was on their actual bodies and someone thought, oh, golden ring, and took it off them, then I would say that's a big no-no. But in terms of the ship, because the debris field is so big and because it's such a thing, like it's it's such a big thing, I think preserving the memory of it is important. And if you can do that and help connect people through these objects, then you can bring them up. People like Wallace Hutler, you know? yeah. Yeah. So right. it, I think that's that's kind of the sense I have it on it. I. I would only see it as grave robbing if someone was taking these things from the actual bodies there or and like selling them for a profit but because they're taking them it matters what the context is like mm -hmm. why are they doing it so and i think it was 2000 um there was a, a court ruling that um judge clark basically said rms titanic incorporated can be the only people that bring anything up from the ship they cannot do it for profit and everything that's, that's brought up has to stay together as like one unit and that can travel around. So that can like go to a museum, but you can't split it up. You can't sell it. And only um, Armist Titanic Inc. Can, can bring anything up. Um, but I was just reading something there that I wanted to mention briefly. Um, so I, th I think I sent this link. It's an ABC article from 2006. Um, I think I shared it in the group chat. But um, it was saying that before this ruling had kind of come into place, there were 
portholes from Titanic that were appearing on the market, you know, and were selling for like $36,000, you know, but it wasn't declared that there was any expeditions going on around that time. So all of a sudden, people were just going down that had the money, um, weren't asking for authorization, they, they weren't meant to be going there. And the, actually, the crow's nest and the mast, uh, Bill Willard, who uh, will be on the podcast, mm-hmm. that's the thing. I'll mention a little bit later about that. But um, he said that it was apparent that someone had tried to get into the cargo hold and in doing so had rammed into the forward mast and crushed it and also further disintegrated and got rid of completely the crow's nest. They said that between one visit and the next, you could tell that something had hit the mast and had damaged it. So it's like not only are they kind of taking things without permission for profit, but they're also damaging the ship. So that's just like the worst case scenario. You know, if it's that, which it doesn't happen now because, you know, Bill and his people fought for it not to happen. So it doesn't happen now. You know, there's not pirates with ridiculous amounts of money, like basically, like, Elon Musk level Titanic enthusiast, you know, going down in his wee submersible to like see what he can plunder. Um, it, it just doesn't happen anymore. But the fact that that was happening and that it was also damaging the ship in the process, I just think it's like really disgusting because that is grave. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it grave robbing because it's not. I don't see it as a grave. You know, I, I think again this was Paul that brought this up, but he said you know Lockerbie when that, when that happened, you know when. A, Bombing off on a plane, yeah, and that the seven four seven of Scotland. Yeah, would we have just left Titanic bandits? The wreckage there. Would we have just left fuselage from a plane lying in a field and allowed people to? It's like no. When when an accident happens, ideally, you know, look at Costa Concordia. It took ages, but the ship they were able to get rid of it, and the thirty two something people that died, the bodies were all recovered. Um, the the ideal scenario is when there's an accident, which the Titanic was, it was an accident. You get all the bodies and bury them or do what you need to do with them and ideally remove the wreckage. So if there's a plane crash, if, you know, look at 9-11, you know, we didn't just leave it there. The, the thing with Titanic, though, is it's two and a half miles down. So you're not getting rid of that. It's an accident. I don't see it as a grave. Um I mean, days after the, it was announced that the ship had sank, people were thinking of ways that they could bring it up. Um, you know, the, the idea people didn't want it to be down there. Um, but then already you had this idea of it being like a, a tomb. You know, that kind of came in very quickly as well. I, I do think there's a heightened sense of reverence around Titanic, and I don't really agree with it. I think, um, I, again, this article says, you know, in 1912, just after the sinking, if someone had managed to get a porthole and sell it, how much would it be worth today? And I think it was like one eighth of a pound is what it would have been worth in 1912, where it is now because of because of the reverence and because of people's heightened romanticizing of it. Thousand dollars for a rusty window. Like, that's just insane. And that's our fault, you know, we have put that value on that. If people weren't so obsessed over it and making films over it, people wouldn't be willing to pay 36 People wouldn't be willing to go down and damage the ship to rip it off to sell it. Like, we have done that in a way. Um, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but it's just, it's the truth of the matter, you know. Um, 
So, but I, I do, I think it's quite complex, but I just, I think where I stand on it is I don't see it as a grave because I wouldn't have looked at Lockerbie and the, the field where that happened. I wouldn't look at that and say that was a grave. I wouldn't go to like the memorial at the Ground Zero at the World Trade Center. I wouldn't call that a grave. I'd say this was the site of an accident or an incident, you know, a terrorist incident. Um, but I wouldn't call it a grave. It's, yeah, it's you weird. You make a good point there, Aaron. I think it's like, it is that romanticization of it, isn't it? It's like, I think to a lot of people, Titanic has become this kind of mythical, sacred, hallowed ground that you're like, no, you, you can't possibly do that because of this. But like you said, had it not been for, you know, all the movies, all the books and just just how much of a pop culture icon Titanic is, would people be so opposed to pulling stuff up? Is it a case of, you know, there's general people there who genuinely care and want to protect the wreck? Or is it, uh, I'm on the internet, so I'm being self-righteous about it. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I see it. But yeah, I think it's, it's kind of tricky with things like that to call it a grave because there are Titanic graves and they're in Halifax, you know? Like, if you go over there and started digging those up to plunder that, then, yeah, that's grave robbing. But for this, because it's the site of an accident and, you know, mm -hmm. such an important historical event, you want to keep that alive. So, you know, yeah. if you're going to bring up a few plates or a telegraph or a pair of shoes to tell that story and keep it alive, then, you know, why? what's the problem, you know? I also personally, <laughs> this is just, this is a me thing, but if I had lost someone in a shipwreck, and there was no way they could raise the ship. There was no way they could retrieve the body. And I just had to accept the fact that that was the case, that there was never going to be like a funeral. There would never be a grave. I would never refer to that as their grave because that would make me feel icky. I'd be like, no, I lost them. They're in like a boat and it's pretty far away, but that's not their grave. That's where they died and that's where they're stuck, but it's not their grave. Now, how would you feel if I'm sort of seeing it from the other side, sort of devil's advocate, if you will? I'm going to play devil's advocate in a minute as well. So, how would you feel if someone raised a pair of shoes, you knew it belonged to your uncle, your dad, or someone, and you went, Oh, cool, thank you. And they're like, No, no they're not for you. They're, they're going over here. And you're like, but They belong to my family. No, no, no. They're going to this museum over here. And how would you feel now? Oh, I think I think it's horrific, but I still wouldn't refer to it as a grave. Because like I think I think that's my point. Like they're there. I acknowledge that, but that's not their grave. Because in my head, that's not a grave. That's um, you know, we wouldn't refer to an office on the 91st floor of the World Trade Center as their grave, would we? No. You know, it's we wouldn't like, um, refer there to was... a house that a plane fell on as their grave, would we? No. So I just think, before you go, Jordan, I just want to read, because I think it's really, really important um, that, not that we hear from someone that lost someone, but Melvina Dean is quoted in this article. And I think it's important to hear what they thought of it, you know, what they think of plundering and raising things up. Um, Who is this, sorry? So this was um, Melvina Dean. So this, um, at the time, she was 94, um, of Hampshire, England. So there we go. Um, and she said, my father, who died on the ship, is still on there. It's awfully wrong to take things, especially from a ship where so many people perished. I don't suppose these people thought of that. They just thought of the money. So I think it's interesting that the way she words it, um, my father who died on the ship is still on there. 
you know, she so she very much views it as, but you know, she doesn't refer to it as a grave, but she clearly sees it very visually that you know he's on there, and that's her kind of issue with it. But then, if no one had died on it, does that make it fair game? Maybe, I don't know. Like there were some survivors, like Eva Hart. Um, she was very vocal about you know them raising anything from the ship because um, she did believe it was a grave site because that's in a way it, it is the final resting place for those who, who perished. Um, I think Ruth Becca Blanchett as well was also against it. There were some other survivors as well um, who were against it because again, we have to look at their point of view. Someone lost someone on that ship. Mm-hmm. You know, they heard the screams. They they saw the ship go down, and you know they they basically heard the silence. So they didn't. You know, they all lost someone on that on that ship. Not everyone. Um, again, you know, Ruth 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 Blanchett. You know, she all her family members survived because it was only just all four of them. Um, but it, it, we kind of have to put ourselves in their in their shoes in a way and just think okay i lost someone on that ship i survived from that ship it was a traumatic experience and knowing that someone that you know a relative or whoever was you know i lost then yeah you know i can understand their point of view leave the ship alone it's you know you were not there you know we we lived through this traumatic experience someone we know died on that place it's their final resting place why why take something that basically that is so sacred to us if that makes sense so that's why i understand their point of view you know when they were all saying you know leave leave the ship alone it's a grave site it's a grave site for them because they lived through it violet jessup she even she didn't even like the fact that people were writing like poems and stories about it she you know she thought that was icky she was like, stop talking about it. Like, it's not a nice thing. Like, let it rust, let it disappear. Like, she was clearly quite traumatized by it, I guess. Um, and then ended up on the, the Britannic, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I bet she was raging. But, um, kind of Africa again, the. I, I'd be raging, you know, if you're like, oh, the Titanic, that was awful. Oh, this Britannic ship looks really good with its massive electric rabbits. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll be okay here, lol. Um, but the argument in favour of bringing stuff up from the wreck, I think's a bit silly. Um, and I, I kind of want to like Louis was doing, kind of like sit on the fence here and get splinters Mars. Um, do we actually think that bringing mm. stuff up from the ship teaches us anything? I think it brings the history alive in a way that photos can't um from being to these exhibits myself you know there's a part where you can actually touch a piece of the titanic and that you know it it brings a whole different experience to the learning it makes the learning more interactive um you know to actually be able to see these things for yourself um so yeah i i i think it yeah i think i think it does make a difference I would agree. The story, 
I remember going to the um, the Southampton Museum because I live like 40 minutes away from it. And um, there's uh, there's a room in there. So after you kind of go through the exhibit, there's like, it's kind of like a small auditorium where they have uh, audio clips of the survivors talking and like little animations and stuff. And just mm-hmm. behind you, um, there's just a small glass cabinet with a pocket watch um, that was recovered from the, the wreck. And um, it's, it's stopped at 2.20. And just standing there looking at that and like, thinking in my head like this was there like this tiny little pocket watch that's all broken rusty was there like it just gave me that sense of like kind of it was sort of overwhelming with emotions so you can sit and watch like a film about the ship and be like oh cool it sank like you know loads of people die that's really awful but physically seeing that object there and thinking this was you know someone had this it just like Louis said it, it just kind of brings it alive and gives that extra level of connection to the whole thing it, it brings and, humanity to it exactly yeah so I think in that regard, if, if it's bringing up items for educational purposes, mm-hmm. then it's fine. And like I said earlier, if they're bringing it up purely for, you know, the fame, the money, then I don't think it's okay. And I also think there should be a limit. Like, isn't there the rule where they they can pick things up from the debris field, but they're not allowed to bring anything from within the ship? Did I, I feel like I read that right? I heard that somewhere. Well, Part of the ruling that I mentioned earlier, so the 2000 court case, said that nothing can be taken from the bow. So the bow is now, and I think it was because they were clearly trying to go in the cargo hold. So they were saying the bow is like off limits, like you can't do that. And that's why uh, there was such attention brought to the proposal to cut into the Marconi room and get the wireless out. And that's, that's why it was in the news and stuff, because it had to go through um that court and i think they're appealing it. i think it was um rejected um but things like that have been you know re put across and it's been like you know it, they're able to do it but but even that i, I think because i'm quite utilitarian i'm very much like you know what you're telling me to do or what i am doing doesn't have a benefit doesn't make sense and if the answer is like no to that i don't i won't do it um or i'll think of a way that it does make sense and and I just think, you know, when people are saying, oh, but it shows us how they lived in 1912. I'm like, yeah, but I could go to like an antique shop and somewhere in Edinburgh and find something from 1912 that would also show me how they lived in 1912. I don't need to see champagne bottles or perfume vials from the ocean floor or like a suitcase that's a bit wet and minging to know how they lived in 1912. Like... So again, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit there, um, but I just don't think that we need to raise these things in order to know how they lived on the ship um, for like a Sorry. few days. I was going to say, Wallace Hartley's violin, um, it was sold at auction to a private buyer, but it was displayed at the Branson, Missouri Museum. Um, as the story goes, they, when they recovered his body, it was strapped to, like the violin was strapped to his, like it was, it was, it was in its case, but it was strapped around his body. So they, they took that off and, uh, you know, it found its way to where it is now. But yeah, it, 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 in, in a way, the Titanic story is very personal to whoever, you know, hears it or researches it or, or whatnot. And, they, and you always have those who will be on the fence or divided in terms of like, uh, you know, 
yes, we should recover as many artifacts. And then there are those who will be like, no, leave it alone. It's a grave site. That's what I'm saying. It's a very catch-22 when it comes to Titanic because you will always have people on either side of the fence or on the fence. And, and it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very difficult because it's it's a very heated it can be a very heated topic in the Facebook groups when it comes to anything Titanic related, but in a way it is good for them to bring up artifacts from the wreck site because everything has a story to tell. Something would have belonged to a passenger, you know, a suitcase. They they would have usually have like the initials of who it belonged to. Um you know, I think they, it was, in, it was in Ghost of the Abyss, I think it was. They went into one of the staterooms and there was a bowler hat. I think it was a bowler hat that was still there. Um, stuff like that. I think it was the Har- I think it was Henry Harper. I can't remember who it was, but stuff like that. It, it's good to bring up to the surface because it tells a story and it makes the memory live on. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. It does. Um, I kind of, because you were saying there that it's a very kind of heated topic of discussion, and it's interesting because on the <laughs> Facebook um, for the podcast, um, Jill, who we we all know, we all love um, from Titanic Book Club, um, had said on the post um, regarding this episode um, that this is the topic that tore the Titanic history historical society apart so you know clearly it is a very contentious topic you know it's one that people they maybe don't like to talk about um because it does cause a bit of friction because people do i mean even just on this post the very first one is a comment i personally think it is grave robbing i realize that each trip down and landing on the ship is destroying it faster it will be interesting to know the opinion of others the very next comment uh, is do we consider recovering artifacts from long lost ships vessels grave robbing what about when long lost tombs are found? Uh, I think for Titanic, it's important to collect what we can. They then go on to kind of say, you know, it shows us how they lived back then, but I think that's a bit, I don't really agree with that. Um, Anthony, the author of Titanic Children uh, Eyewitnesses to History, had said, one thing to consider, decisions made today will naturally affect future generations. So if the choice to not recover artifacts had been taken, imagine the despair of Titanic enthusiasts and historians 20, 30, or 40 years from now. I'm sure many of them would have cursed the few who opposed any kind of salvage when the chance was there. So it, it is cool to see these things, you know. Um, but I think that's where I kind of I come into a bit of trouble because I'm like, it's cool to see, but do I need to see it? You know, I could have been looking at photos of, you know, uh, an expedition the, that went down to the ocean floor, and you know, you've got Hell's Kitchen, which was the kind of the galley that, you know, I think Jordan, you had said earlier when the ship broke up, you know, a lot spilled out, which, you know, we, we know that was um, a thing. So, and the debris field is like massive, um, but we could look at photos of that and learn just as much, I think, than looking at some of these pots and pans in a display case in a museum. Like, I, I don't see why it had to be brought up. Um, but then even me saying that, I think it's strange because I don't view it as a grave. So I don't quite know what the issue is. I, I think what I come into trouble is this idea of potentially damaging the ship further. So I think maybe 
where I come into it is take from the debris field, but maybe just don't take shoes. I don't know. It's, mm. it's like a bit of a wishy-washy answer. Like, don't go near the ship and don't take shoes. Um, that that's that's the like head. The doll's head. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the doll's head. Yeah. It, it's 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 a weird one. I don't know. It's I don't see much utility in bringing stuff up. Um, I mean, and the fact that the big piece is in Las Vegas makes me feel so weird. What? Like, I think because I've never liked Las Vegas, and then when I found out that there was a huge section of Titanic in Las Vegas, I was like, no, now I need to go there. Like, <laughs> I like that piece has toured, because I remember early 2000s, I went to a Titanic exhibition in London, and it was there. And so I'm, I'm sure it's toured previously, and now it's permanently was in it, Las Vegas. Was it the big piece, though? Because... Yeah. Then, it was. It's a bit cut off, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, a bit that is kind of referred to as the little big piece. Um, no, it was. I, I remember seeing it, and I, like now that I've seen pictures of the big pieces, I don't know if that's me, you know, mm-hmm. remembering it differently because I've seen other photos. But yeah. I have this strong memory of walking around it, and it it's just hanging there. Mm. The smaller cutaway section tours, but I'm pretty sure. But then I don't. I don't know. It, it maybe did. Um, and it's one of those things like I want to go there and I want to see that, but then why do I want to do that? Like what what will that do for me? You know, going to going to Belfast and standing, you know, right where Titanic was built, like standing outside Thomas Andrews office, like it was amazing. Uh, and it does, it, it brings the, the story of it to life in like a, a whole other way. But just like kind of saying that out loud, you're like, why does that need to happen though? And I think it's kind of like we said earlier, because the Titanic story has taken on this, it's it's a thing, it's like, it's a whole thing. So I, I think, I, I can't think of anything else that we treat with this kind of, like it's it's so iconic, it's so emotive. Um, it's, it's a weird one, it's a weird one. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to, because it's cool to see. You know, and it is cool to see. It's cool to see, uh, and it is one of the things that's always stuck out, the little perfume vials, the fact that there's still perfume in them and they were underwater for how many decades? Like, it's pretty cool. still smell of perfume as well. Mm. Yeah. And it was I, still- think, I think there was a documentary with, I can't remember which one it was, but Bill Sorda is a Titanic historian. He was in that interview and he was, Saying that he was, he was he was in the room where they where they you know all the where the artifacts were, and then there was this really musky smell of just you know like of decay because of the items that were in the bottom of the ocean that were retrieved, and then suddenly the room smelled like flowers because somebody opened a vial, and I think that brought him to tears from 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 memory, but. Yeah, no, like it, it, it is a very controversial subject when it comes to the artifacts being raised. Um, Titanic, you know, to some is a gravesite, and to others, it's just more of it's an educational topic, you know, for them to retrieve the items and learn as much as they can about which item did this belong to. So, yeah, it it is um very very. 
50-50, in my opinion. Yeah. I was just um, doing a little Google. Um, Titanic Exhibition London 2003. It was at the Science Museum. And I've, I've found it. And uh, there's an article from CNN. Oh, you muted yourself, Louis. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need, I need to press the unmute button now. <laughs> um, and yeah, it says that personal belongings, including jewellery, banknotes, and even perfume bottles with their scent still lingering, which I clearly remember. I remember touching it. They had the ship's bell. Um, and then it also says large objects, including a section of the hull. Mm. But it doesn't specifically say the big piece. But mm. now that I've read that, I'm like, it, because I remember I've seen pictures of the big piece and I've been there. I'm sort of, I don't know if I'm trying to convince myself that it was the big piece <laughs> that I saw, but from this article, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily say the big piece. It just says a large section of hull. I mean, even if you've Thank seen you. the piece that's still more than i've seen yeah I'm in person um, yeah i mean at this museum i remember as well clearly they had um a, a, a plastic or glass box as well with a smaller piece of hull with a little mm. hole so you could yeah that was intentional <laughs> that was <laughs> that was funny because that looked like you well. were putting kiki in a bum hole or something <laughs> <laughs> and we're at this part of the episode where it all collapses <laughs> <laughs> it was a circle like that and you you could touch a bit i remember touching it and i remember specifically touching it and going like that and going oh my god i'm touching the titanic i am touching the titanic and then i sort of went cool. big piece <laughs> but, but here's well, the, the only big piece though, I've touched. Like, the big piece look it could be the big piece but when during the breakup titanic literally you know so broke into god knows how many pieces and not only did she break into two, she broke into, mm, can we say three pieces? It's Is it that four, it's around it? three pieces that she, three or four? Um, so There's a few different theories on any piece. Mm. She, 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 she did a V break. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think a modern consensus is that it broke in the middle, then a, another section fell off. And then maybe a fourth section fell as well, because someone in their testimony mm. said that they saw the boilers fall out. Yeah, and it's been it's been proven that you know mm. boilers are underwater. You couldn't have seen that. So yeah. what it probably was was that tower section, um, just behind, just between the third and fourth funnel, I think, that then fell separately as well, sort of like splintered, kind of. That was me trying to. Yeah, it's very it's hard, like, especially like. The, 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 I was just no see, the, the big piece before that came up they were actually debating whether to bring up a boiler instead so they were actually which it's funny because I think I mean they made the right move because it would have been really hard to bring up a boiler and then to also transport it around so that was kind of why they went with the big piece but I find it really interesting that they even had that debate in the first place because if you you know going back to the it's cool argument because you know it is cool what would you rather look at? Would you rather look at a big boiler or would you rather look at like an, an actual section of the ship that we can see in photos from when the ship was sailing that's got windows on it that people would have looked out of potentially? Like it's just, it's like a no brainer. So like, of course you're going to bring up the section of the hull. Like I think it's insane. Could you imagine if they brought up the boiler and then said, oh, but there is this massive like big piece still on the ocean floor. You know, that's cool. We'd all be like, bring that up um it's yeah it's strange because it is so 
emotive when you look at the big piece and you see those portholes there and they've still got the glass in them it's it's incredible it's amazing um i do agree but i also think the boiler would have been interesting because it's a part that purely because we haven't seen pictures mm -hmm. of the boilers inside the actual ship um we've seen pictures of the boilers you know during the construction um I think that would have been interesting to see something that we haven't actually been able to see before. And also it's one of the first things that was found when they dove Titanic. The first thing they saw was mm. there's a boiler. Yeah. I just had like a, a, there's other on you go, Jordan. I was gonna say there's they they've found other artifacts on the on, on, on the on the seabed as well. Like I think the funnel casings are still there. Um what else is there? The candelabra from the D deck reception room. Um, I think the glass dome, like the the rare iron, it's the, from frame. The, from the, dome, the aft staircase, the frame, yeah, from the aft staircase. All that stuff is there, and I'm, it makes me wonder, like, why hasn't that been retrieved? And is it, is it too fragile? Is it too heavy? I think with the boiler room, not boiler room, with the boilers, it, it really depends. Like, would they implode? If they brought it up to the surface now, I think it's a very interesting thing that maybe Aaron could ask um, Bill later because he was involved in the big piece, wasn't he? By the way, if anyone's free to come on later with Bill, I'm free. <laughs> like this doesn't have to be like just a me thing, and actually, I would rather other people be there because I'll be scared. I'm free. Um, <laughs> I'm, so, free. I'm free. I'm free. Um, but. I'll be in bed. I just had a weird thought. So this idea of grave robbing, I think... Oh, God, Aaron's weird thoughts. Here we go. Yeah. So you know how with the pee-pee, do you put, like, right in the... No. Um, <laughs> no. And once again, Louis walks off. <laughs> no, that oh, was God. But, so the idea of grave robbing, I think we can kind of take that off the table because people nowadays aren't doing it for profit. That's kind of been banned. Like, if you did that, that's now, like, a punishable... That would be a crime. Um, so for the last like 20 odd years, that's been illegal to do. So it's like, okay, it's not grave robbing and it's not body snatching. You know, we're not taking like bodies or anything. But then I just was thinking, technically what I do would be worse because I do drawings for people and they pay me money to draw images of people that potentially died. So that commission I did of the Grand Staircase, which, you know, it's one of my favourite drawings that I've ever done. Um, and everyone's quite calm and happy and the band's like playing and they're in the Grand Staircase and it's like early on. Is That's probably slightly more icky than well, Ring of Up. I think it's... it's you know what I mean? It's, they're, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, if they I mean, people have made films of them. People have paid for films of those, you know. Um, and also, I think there's a difference if it's a nondescript character or if it's a real life character um, that's being depicted. Um, not to say that you shouldn't draw real life characters, you know, there's moments that could be captured, but I think, I think there's definitely a difference. Um, yeah, between, between nondescript characters and like an actual person, you know, the whole James Cameron taking the liberties of showing Murdoch kill someone or not killing someone. Um, just like I had that, that wee moment there of like, Okay, people are, are we the baddies? It was a bit like that. It's like, you know, people aren't profiting from the sinking, but I was like, wait, I've profited from the sinking. Like, which is something I never thought I'd say. Like, I've I mean, money. James Cameron's profited from the sinking, you know, he made a 
multi-million, yeah. probably in the billions now, revenue-making movie, you know, about it. I think you doing art for people on like a, I don't know it sounds patronising, but on like a smaller scale, you know, compared to the 97 film. No, no, it's, completely. It's, like, it's very it's different. Not, it's not like the, the scales of, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just a, a weird little, and I'm yeah. not so bad. I'm, I'm going to continue to do it. Um, yeah. But then people also, you know, people do say that about the Titanic films. They're like, oh, it's just a disgusting thing for profit. You know, people say that about Call of Duty games. Oh, it's a World War II game. They're making this awful thing into it's a fun re- activity of shooting people on D-Day. You know, it's... It really depends on, on how it's done. Um, as long as it's done respectful and it pays tribute to those who lived or died, then that's all that matters. Like any Hollywood production, they when it comes to historical events, they will always you know, look at it from a filmmaking point of view and not from the historical point of view. Um, and as Aaron knows what I'm doing, you know, it, it, you have to try and balance both. But as long as it's done respectful, mm-hmm. then there shouldn't be an issue. Like, you know, Titanic Animations and I were discussing how we're going to portray William Murdoch's, you know, well, yeah, that's, that, a whole that's up for discussion. Kettle of fish. Yeah. But but, I think that, that's a good point to, to kind of wrap up on the, the idea of being respectful, I think regardless what it is whether it's an animation um the podcast that's we, we can write that off you know are we respectful i don't know but um yeah so if you're raising artifacts if you're going down to the wreck if you're doing drawings if you're making a, an animation i think that the main thing just to always kind of keep in mind is yeah do it with respect you know when, when you're talking about the passengers um i wouldn't even really say the ship you know people kind of personify the ship people put eyes on the ship it's like a, it's a whole thing um tom tannock remember him um we louis we liked we liked tom tannock but um had no backgrounds today i know you've done well with you well behaved today last, <laughs> last thank you last episode jordan what? i um i got a picture because um seb was here and he's seb and he's um a train enthusiast as well. So I got a picture of Thomas the Tank Engine's face on Titanic <laughs> as my sort of in the background. It was horrific. Look up Tidy from SNL. That's what I'm going to say. Look up Tidy. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I think you and Titanic Animations need to rework your model into this <laughs> right here. <laughs> Excellent. And that's to me. So that's Chugging towards the iceberg. <laughs> do, 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 do. That's distasteful. That's that's bad. That's not. That's bad. an example of not being respectful, right yeah. there. Thank you for that. Uh, for that lesson, Louis. I love how like two minutes ago, Dean was like, <laughs> "You've been very well behaved, Louis," and now he's like, "That's not very respectful, Louis." It's it's just taking like a nosedive. Louis fallen off a cliff. I was um, being ironic. I was doing it to prove a point. Blame myself. He took his final plunge. You've, you've been very well final plunge um but no I, I do i think that when you're directly talking about or you know interacting with the story of titanic you know and i think people are i think generally you know the online forms and stuff can be wild but i think for the most part that is one thing about it everyone does show the respect that it does deserve um which is good um but yeah, this has been fun. It's been a good discussion. And 
we kind of alluded to it, um, but we Love do have goodness. a very special guest that will be on the podcast. Um, that will be a separate upload. Um, so keep an, an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, we will be joined by Bill Willard, who was part of the team that raised the big piece. Um, so, you know, this man has come the closest to the anyone will ever get to raising the Titanic. You know, they raised like a pretty big bit of it. Um, the rest is a bit of a mess, so it'd be kind of hard to do. Um, so, but yeah, is there... bit, by bit. bit by bit, yeah, like a like a jigsaw. It might take a while, but um, they'll they'll get there. Um, There's my yeah, workstation. Kind of final thoughts that people want to kind of throw out there. I think we've covered it. Just you know, keep the history alive, be respectful, and um, be nice to each other. Yes. Yeah, don't kill each other. That's all I'm gonna say. Don't don't go ballistic. Everyone has a different opinion to yours. It's not worth it's not worth getting heated up. But while I understand everyone's passion and point of view, it is not something to lose sleep over. As many that I've encountered. Everyone wants to be a a gatekeeper. Don't be a cow. <laughs> I see what That's you did. <laughs> well, this has been fun. And uh, I don't know exactly when I'll be speaking to Bill. Um, I basically said anytime after three. Um, he's five hours behind us. Uh, he said he has like church duties on a Sunday. So he'll be kind of wrapping that up. Um, but when I know from him, I'll drop a message and I'll get like a finalized kind of time. Um, but that'll be good. I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. Um, and this has been really good too. So thank you all so much for joining. Jordan, you look, you're lying down. Or you are, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's reclining. He's reclining like <laughs> one of my French girls. But um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, thank you all so much. And chat to you soon. See, see you in the group chat. <laughs> I wanted Thanks to ask you guys. something really quick. Uh-huh. Not related yes, to the so. podcast, because you sort of rushed on it really quickly about William Murdoch with the Titanic animations video. I just wanted to ask how, what you guys see as happening there. Um, so George Behe, who is a very well-known Titanic historian, he does believe that it was William Murdoch because there is a lot of evidence that he has found that, it, that proves it was William Murdoch who took his life. Some believe that it was Chief Officer Wild because he was suffering through depression at the time. I think the loss of his wife for I, I need a room, I need a look yeah. up on it. But um, with the doco drama that we're doing, um, we, we, he and I discussed how are we going to portray William Murdoch's death or an officer's death. We don't want to. We don't want to. You know, show William Murdoch because or any other officer, because then it's going to be like, okay, well, we're going to have 50,000 people with pitchforks trying to kill us. Um, so we're going to have to yeah, do we're it. We're going to have the, the whole Scottish town of Delbiti knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah, like we, we're going to have to do it in a way where it's, we don't see who it is. We'll see an yeah. officer brandishing a revolver um, at Collapsible A from behind. And then we'll go probably cut somewhere where we hear the gunshots and 
yeah, yeah. There, there's, is this what these really is this what do. these clips are that you're that you're that we're seeing sort of are they is it a real-time thing that you guys are doing or just like a complete is it like a documentary um so so philip is doing his real time so basically the real time that philip is doing is a practice run for the doco drama so basically working on well testing water physics smoke physics character movements scene lighting and, mm-hmm. and camera shots and all this other stuff so it's just a practice run so when the time does come for filming the the doco drama we'll have everything to how we want it yeah. Um, well, let me know if you need any voice doing... actors. <clears throat> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Like as I said, you three. I've spoken with Aaron. I've spoken with Dean, and now you. I'm more than happy to have you guys on board. Um, so the doco drama is basically four hours. Well, actually, I'm going to make a four and a half hours. I already fought with Philip about that. Um, I need that extra half hour. Um, so it's going to be basically. It will look narration wise. I'm putting that on, I'm, I'm, that's on the fence with me, but it's, I'm writing it as though it's a film, a four and a half hour film split into two. Um, Aaron has read some of the scripts. Um, I think you have a Zordine here and there. Yeah, you've sent me stuff. Um, so it, it, it's, it's more of telling the Titanic story in four and a half hours. I wanted to do six episodes, but I, that idea got shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's, Retelling the Titanic story, how previous film adaptations should have told the story. We're following three main families: the Thayers, the Hearts, and the Goodwins. Mm. Um, and then we have other we have other main and secondary characters who will have their own individual scenes here and there. But yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying we're trying to keep it respectful. Yeah, um, really the script good. is still not finished. Thank you. The script is still not finished because. Very anal when it comes to writing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Let me know if you need any help as well. I'm definitely more than happy to sort of lend an ear and stuff. And I've got that creative background. No, as well. definitely, man. Definitely, man. There's so a, now we're just getting for episode because I'd said to Jordan that I want to discuss it because um, I think you know I want to get the word out there, obviously, about it because it's really interesting it's you know amazing what you guys are doing um but just yeah talking to like a fellow creative about you know the the inspiration and the process and I think it'll be really interesting a kind of little behind the scenes look at how you go about making something like this um I think would be really valuable for people I think people would really enjoy that so this is a a tease (laughs) I love a good tease (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Those are cocktails. <laughs> we're, not rec- we're not recording right now, are we? This is all going in. No. <laughs> and I'm not editing any of it. <laughs> this was just a conversation between friends. This is not a safe space. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy.